0: You know, you want to know what's crazy? Let me tell you what's crazy. Okay, I was just getting ready to record this, and uh, I have a laptop. All right, I have a an older Dell, older Dell Inspiron that I just keep plugged in. Pretty much, it's it's my studio computer, more or less. Okay, Uh, at certain points, amazingly, this computer just keeps on ticking. It just keeps on going. And so, you know, sometimes when other machines fail, even newer machines that I acquire, you know, when they fail this one just goes and goes and goes. And so, you know, sometimes I use it as my, also my, you know, my carry on or my daily driver uh, laptop that I'll take with me places. But most of the time it just sits in the studio. So, you know, sometimes when I do actually unplug it to do some work because it's a pretty powerful machine, even though it's uh, even though it's older, you know, I'll come down and so I won't have any sound devices hooked up to it or whatever, but then I'll hook up the mixer and everything, which that's where all the sound comes out of, or, you know, where I generally, uh, you know, my headphones are connected to and everything. And so without it being connected to the mixer, the computer's not making any sound. And suddenly, you know, like I'll bring it down some nights, you know, when I'm about to go to bed and then I'll, I'll, I'll plug in the mixer, you know, come the morning and I'm about to record or something. And suddenly there's some kind of fucking audio coming out of the, coming out of my headphones. And I'm like, well, what the hell is this? and you got to understand like i mean how much how many projects and how many things are open and just kind of ready to get worked on um on this computer and so there's like three maybe even four different web browsers open at any given moment i mean it's just an absolute workhorse and trying to find where some fucking auto-playing video from some fucking website on the fucking internet there i said it I mean, what a pain in the ass, you know, when you've got so many tabs open. And I mean, you know, you can say, well, you shouldn't have so many tabs open. Bullshit. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, I don't want to have so many tabs open. But, you know, when you got projects and everything going on in the middle and you're transferring stuff off and, you know, you're uh, or you know, transferring, uh, should I say, like, you know, web pages and sharing them from your phone to get them onto the computer. That way it's not taking a ram in your phone or something. And then you just go there and there's just like all this audio playing. I mean, it, it's so crazy. And I really, I don't blame my habits because a computer is meant to get work done. A computer is not meant for me to, you know, have to deal with a million websites playing their fucking videos, auto playing their fucking videos. Fortunately, web browsers had those little icons, you know, to tell you which one actually is, you know, emitting sound, but oh, it's still such a pain in the ass. I fucking hate it. it. auto-playing videos, and I know there's extensions that can turn all that stuff off, but I also understand where people don't want to install said extensions, because the more extensions you have, we've talked about this recently on Sovereign Tech, you know, the more extensions you have, the more risk you have of, uh, you know, various data collections and exploits and everything else against you. So, fuck that shit, and that's, that's what I got to say about that, <laughs> because... <laughs> It just pisses me off. And I'm just hearing this music coming out. Like, what the hell is going on? And then some guy starts talking about, I don't know, whatever, running uh, running Linux apps and Chromebooks. And, hey, great. But, wow. So, all right. Uh, do you want to – well, actually, you know I'm not going to talk about that first because we got a question that kind of brings it up. So I'll mention it then. Um, not, not exactly tech questions so much this week for the Wednesday Q&A. Of course, look, folks, especially if you're a newer patron, okay, and you're like, wow, you know, I'm not really getting a whole lot of tech questions answered in, my, in, in these Wednesday Q&As, uh, and that's what you're looking for. I Here's two things. One, all you got to do is ask me, okay? The question trough is very low, so all you got to do is ask me the question, and I'll probably get to it as far as tech goes, okay? The second thing is, this is episode of Patreon, just actually of Q&As. Uh, I, This is episode 111 of Wednesday Q&As. There are over 100 Q&As that you can go back for over a year that you can listen to where we get into all kinds of wild subjects. Okay. You've got a beautiful back catalog on Patreon that, that you now have access to. You get all of it. All right. And so if you're looking for those kind of Q and A's, well, go back and listen to those. And I know no one's listening to like a lot of the back catalog because Patreon gives you some metrics as far as what people are listening to. So if you're wanting that, go to the back catalog, you know, and actually there's there's some dynamite. I mean, I, I, mean, I think every Q and A is pretty good, but like there's some dynamite Q and A's where we get some really deep dives and some really serious subjects. So, you know, go check all that out. Um, anyway. Not so many tech questions this week. Uh, kind of some fun stuff, but uh, but some interesting ones. I guess the opening one is almost a tech question, but uh, but let's read it here. Sabzu, uh, the art you share on Instagram is so hot. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> I was curious where you get it from, and also what's behind you sharing it every day. Does Stephanie mind? Oh boy. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, okay. So every day, so I do have an Instagram account. Um, as much as I despise Facebook, I do have an Instagram account. I've talked about why I have an Instagram account. account I've talked about why, um, what I think makes Instagram so special compared to a lot of other online services and apps and so on. Um, all of that has been described on Sovereign Tech in the past. Uh, it may get to the point. There are certain things that could happen in my life where maybe I would, well, there's certain things that could be created that where maybe I would stop, uh, you know, using Instagram uh, entirely. I mean, admittedly, right now, it would appear... You know, it appears so. We don't know that this is so. Of course, right now everybody's talking about, oh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Mastodon and all that. Mastodon's new Twitter, blah, 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 blah. Okay, maybe. I've heard that too many times. Just in the lifetime, I mean, not even in my entire tech history, just in the lifetime of Sovereign Tech, I've heard, oh, yeah, there's this new social media thing. Is everybody still using, was it Elio or whatever? Isn't that the name of some kind of like cardboard pizzas? And <laughs> uh, is everybody still, I don't know, take your pick. Of the one that we thought, oh, this one's going to be different. This one's going to do it. Yeah, horseshit. Uh, it wasn't, and wasn't there an alternative? Not, It's not Venmo, but it's like, and not Vimeo, but it was something with a V. Or like, not Vimo, I don't know, something like that. There was an alternative to Instagram that everybody on Instagram was saying to go to that. How'd that work out for everybody? Is anybody even like still posting on there? Probably fucking not. So anyway, it would appear that most kind of celebrities... Like people that are actually celebrities, I wouldn't really consider myself one. Um, People that are, you know, yeah, actually celebrities, people that are actually kind of names. Generally, they they all seem to have an Instagram account that that's that's kind of what they're rocking. Now, it's important to understand that there are whole other social media. There are other social media apps and platforms that are very popular, but they're only popular amongst. And I use this word with caution. They're only popular amongst the elite. Okay. Meaning you can only be on those platforms by invitation. And if you're going to get invited, it's either because you're a beautiful person or you're rich or, you know, you're some kind of name or an actor or something like that. Like these people have their own shit that they, that they use. And I mean, if anything, they even just have, I don't know, their groups in WhatsApp and iMessage and so on where they, you know, they all kind of interact with each other. So it's kind of ironic. Like, you know, you're thinking you're, you know, you're touching the stars or something, you know, when you use Instagram or if you use Twitter and not really. And Twitter is, I, I know I've been using this term quite a bit lately, but, but it's an important one. Twitter is really a lot of navel gazing of journalists. And it's also like mainly for the TV crowd. And while I do consider myself a tech journalist, uh, I have very little in common with with other journalists, especially my ilk. You know, other tech journalists. They don't. A lot of them don't seem to really, uh, you know, come from my perspective, if at all. So, Twitter. Yeah, I mean, and, and I know Twitter's kind of popular with the crypto community, but then so is Telegram and uh, whatever. Anyway, Instagram seems to be the one where you can where you can reach the broadest, shall we say, demographic. Okay, and actually, potentially, kind of reach them or something. Now, to get into the question, I'm gonna I'm not gonna do these in exact order. I'll, I'll answer where I get the pictures from at the end. So, first off, uh, does Stephanie mind? No, no, she doesn't. She doesn't mind at all. She enjoys it. In fact, I send her uh, even more risque pictures almost every morning, and she just loves it. I mean, she she loves it all. So, <laughs> no, there is no problem there. And anyone else that. I mean, understand, like, I, I have a couple of guy friends, but most of the people that I would call friends are women, and none of them mind it either. In fact, they they enjoy it too. So, no, there is there is no problem there. But I recognize... I, I want to recognize why you're asking that question, okay? Because in a different context, and a different person, someone sharing all these pictures would just be seen as perverted, I think, you know? But this is why... I want to bring this up. This is why I think it's important to be yourself. Okay. And what I mean by that is just put it out there that you are this person where this is just a part of who you are, but you've got to come at it with, I don't know, like an intelligent edge. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like I do it because it's part of the reason I do it is because it's very sexy, you know, and, 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 but people know that about me. They've always known that about me, that I'm a very, shall we say, sexual creature. And so it's not weird for me to want to share that art. Also, you know, people know I'm a comic book fan. I mean, all the things people know about me culminate in that this art very much represents, you know, what I'm into and what I'm passionate about. But they know that because of all those parts that come together. It's not like, I guess, to to compare it, if someone else were sharing it, okay, or to give a counterexample for if someone else were sharing this stuff. And let's say they weren't actually a comic book fan. And let's say that they weren't actually, like, really knowledgeable about history and about art itself. Like, they weren't actually dilettantes. I wouldn't dare call myself a connoisseur, Uh, you know, but, but a dilettante as far as art goes. And... Uh, you know, wasn't known to be maybe, you know, be an ally, say, to feminism and things like this. If you didn't have all those parts come together, yeah, you just see it as perverted because obviously they're just putting it out there because they're wanking, you know, because they're they're jerking off or something, you know, as to where with me, it does come from a, you know, I think people do know that it comes from a position of, no, this is what he's really, really passionate about. And he has real reasons for why he's so passionate about it. And it's just a part of who he is and what he puts out there. You know, and so and I'm honored by that, that people respect that. It's the same reason. I mean, the Sovereign Universe book is selling very nicely uh, and people are totally down with. I mean, because I I think it's, you know, me, myself, normally, I mean, this isn't true across the board. I can think of authors that write erotic fiction uh, that are men that I do uh, buy their books. Okay, but in general, like I don't buy erotic uh, fiction from men. You know, and and I'm honored that and I know that a lot of a lot of the people that have bought uh, the book because they've told me uh, are women, you know, and and that means the world to me, you know, that they're willing to read my work, uh, you know, because because it is honestly like it's tough for and I I really think this is a or at least it's a challenge for me to write sex in a way that I think, you know, women would generally find it sexy. And so that's why I like to run my stories by Stephanie. And, you know, of course, I have an editor, you know, that, that she did, you know, she kind of tries to pare it down and all that. And so anyway, yeah, um, but you've got That's the thing. You've got to put yourself out there, you know, to where people don't think that, wow, you're just some perv sharing pictures of something. They've got to know that it's coming from, uh, you know, someone that that has, say, a reason and someone that, say, like, you know, has. uh I don't know what the term that I want to want to use for that is. I guess maybe cachet and purpose in doing so. So anyway, so let me get, let me get to that other part of the of it here, and that is uh, what's behind you sharing it every day. Well, here's the thing: is that part of my drive is you know I like yes I do I feel a real need to share this kind of stuff and put it out there. Where that need comes from is that I don't see a whole lot of other people doing it. And I think the world needs that more than it needs um, people sharing pictures of police abuse, of, uh, you know, military, I'll call it abuse, but abuse is hardly a strong enough term. Um, you know, if people sharing bullshit about honestly, look, I'm just going to say it, about cryptocurrencies and sharing stupid charts and whatever else. Like, I think the world needs to see why we live, you know, and, and I mean, art is in a way its own poetry. OK. And art, you know, as in drawn art is its own poetry. And, you know, picture is worth a thousand words. Well, those thousand words need to be expressed a whole hell of a lot more when it comes to things being uh, sexy, uh, you know, dramatic in the epic sense. And, you know, or just like getting more science fiction out there, whatever, just getting it out there and, and, and getting people thinking about that and, and getting people thinking about cre- creation instead of death or, you know, love instead of. I don't know, so much the prices and, you know, whales and everything going up and down. I mean, it's just it's crazy. So, yeah, I it's just very similar to the reasons I do Sovereign Tech, why I feel a need to do Sovereign Tech, a deep passion to do Sovereign Tech is because what I want in the world isn't out there. So I'm putting it out there. All right. I'm not just complaining that I think everybody is obsessed with completely ridiculous things. All right. I'm actually putting out there and making it available. And a lot of you are jumping on it. Uh, you know, what what I want in the world. It's what I do. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of the the nature, I guess, in some ways of the creative class. Uh, but anyway, so that's that's sort of the why what's behind me sharing it every day is just I, Yeah, I really I feel a need to to share this. And I wish, believe me, I there's there's stuff that's A little edgier not by much but a little edgier that I wish that I could share that more you know and and really really get the the very risque stuff out there with actual sex acts going on and everything and yeah I suppose I could create a Tumblr page or something but I don't know. It, it, it's not it's not exactly the same. And 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 Instagram, there's a lot of. Ins- I mean, that's another thing, too, like Instagram really should be called kind of like inspiration, Graham, because and whether or not the inspiration is in any way real or not is a whole other thing. But I, I personally get a lot of inspiration from a lot of the stuff I see on Instagram uh, and from the people that I follow Uh so, you know, but I'm just putting out my own inspiration. And I do more than just share sexy pictures on there. I mean, you know, and sexy art. I mean, I put out, um, you know, I'll put all kinds of things on there, all kinds. And, of course, you know, I'll share pictures of my own adventures and everything, too. So anyway, um, it's not I don't really consider Instagram to. I mean, I put hashtag Sovereign Tech on everything, but I don't really consider it to be an extension so much of Sovereign Tech, really. So that's why I don't promote it on sovereign tech. And like even the account name, unlike every other account that I have, the account name's not even sovereign tech. It's just be sovereign. So anyway, it's kind of more of a personal thing. Uh, yeah. Now where do I get all of those pictures from? Okay. That's the last part of the question. I get all, I just collected them for years. Like there's no, there's some accounts that I'll follow and I'll just take screenshots of whatever they're putting out there. I don't, I know some people ask me to put the art, like the artist, I don't always know who the artist is. Otherwise I would. A lot of times we just don't know. The internet, it's almost, you know, it's very tough to find out. Um, and it's just a quick thing I do. It's not like it's a really, you know, really intentional so much. I mean, yeah, I feel a need to do it, but it's not so much this intentional thing that, uh, that I'm engaging in when I when I share it. So anyway, uh, yeah, it, you know, Google Images will have it. Like I share a lot of lesbian stuff uh, because I think that's really important to have that out there. There's not enough Uh, lesbianism in the world. And I mean that dead seriously. Uh, I'll put a lot of that out there. And a lot of times, you know, I'll just go to an image search and just type in, you know, lesbian anime or, uh, you know, lesbian art and so on. And then it'll come up with a lot of those pictures and I'll post them on Instagram. So that's that's really it. There's no special trick. But a lot of the stuff, I mean, I have a massive you know folder of, of a lot of these pictures. And again, I also have ones that are far more extreme, too, that if a venue ever exists in the future where I feel confident in its longevity and that it's worthwhile, um, I would happily share those as well. Like I was originally sharing this stuff when back when the Sovereign Tech uh, Uncensored Facebook group was really a, a thing for me. And of course it ended up getting me banned, but yeah, <laughs> if that allowed for it, I would have kept you know putting it there because there it was kind of more private and I felt comfortable sharing even the more extreme stuff. But yeah, fortunately people don't just say, wow, he's a perv, or maybe they do say that and they like it. I don't know. But anyway, so uh, let's get on to another question here. Uh, this is a, this is a kind of a fun one. Um, Brian, I got to pare you down. I know you've done top eights about the best books ever and so on, but really part of a series or not, if you had to tell someone to read a sci-fi book right now and to start them in the whole shebang, what would you recommend? Uh, Nice question. So, and and when I read it, I'm thinking, I'm like, (laughs) ah, you know. I I actually, and I've been tempted to do this, Um, I've been tempted to kind of do somewhat of a blog post that is called An Education in Science Fiction. And I've been tempted to do this recently because, well, when I've talked about uh, Harlan Ellison, you know, when he passed away, uh, you know, just a couple months ago, um, I talked about during the episode of Sovereign Tech, which was for Harlan, I said how, you know, Harlan's the one that really you know, inspired me, well, in a million ways, but inspired me, he was the one that kind of got me on the kick of, he said, you know, he would say, look, you need to know who A.E. Van Vogt is, you need to know who Ursula, you know, Lugin is, you need to know who, you know, go down the list, you need to know all these people, you need to have seen Forbidden Planet, you need to have seen, you know, watch this, you need to have seen this, you need to have read this, you got to know these names, you got to know these people, so on. And I really respect that. Like he's saying, you know, there's there's an incredible history here and you disrespect the genre, you know, and 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 the work of even authors today, if you don't know where it all came from, if you don't know the shoulders that the giants are standing on, as it were. And so, what you know, thinking about that, and I mentioned that in the episode for Harlan, thinking about that, I was like, you know, I should like compile what I think is like kind of a what, what I called an education in science fiction, meaning, you know, this is what you need to read to really understand, you know, or like to really have a great history and grasp of all that is or all that is science fiction, even though it's such a dynamic and diverse, uh, you know, uh, genre of media and, and an important and again, arguably the most important one. I'm not the only one to say that Kevin Kelly, a lot of people would, you know, would make that claim, people that are more well known uh, than I. So with that said, I have not done that yet. Um, I actually have a journal where I do, I, I write, I actually, I literally write, it's a physical journal, it's it's not just something I type out, um, where I do journaling, and I actually started writing that out in the journal, like, just to kind of dump it out of my head, you know, because that's an important thing to do, is to just kind of offload, you have like a brain extension and just offload everything into, uh, you know, into another, you know, into some, some medium other than your head. And uh, in that, like, I mean, there's a section that's about books that are important to read, um, and you're right. I've done top eights. I think I did a top eight about science fiction books specifically and which ones that 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 people should read. And I'd probably pick something from that list, honestly, as far as the most important book for someone to read. I mean, it it's tough because a lot of the great science fiction might not strike someone today as so great because it will run off of like ideas and technological trees I'm going to say like a tech tree like you'd see in a video game right where like okay first we develop the telephone the telephone goes to the smartphone etc the tech trees in a lot of classic science fiction go in ways that look antiquated compared to what we have today so it's tough to say like if i wanted to really inspire somebody to be into science fiction from a from a literary sense you know it's tough to want to call on the classics because they may not grasp somebody the same way that they would grasp people. Like, the first book that would come to mind for me would probably be actually A.E. Van Vogt, who I think is one of the most important science fiction authors of all time. Uh, and it would either be probably Voyage, to, Voyage of the Space Beagle or Slan, either one of those. Um, or it would be, you know, something from Alf- Alfred Bester, uh, you know, The Demolished Man, or... Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, that, that, that would be a pretty big one. Um, or, you know, I mean, you can easily say, well, go to Asimov, do, uh, you know, end of eternity or, uh, the gods themselves or something like that. But I think as Asimov is a tough pill to swallow as your first piece of science fiction, because it is so deep and verbose. And like, I, I think you're really, like, you're just, you're diving in hard. Um, just like I think, honestly, like you're, if you're going to go into fantasy, what would everybody say is the first thing you should read when you're getting into fantasy? Everybody's going to say, well, you should read Lord of the Rings. Now, fortunately, Lord of the Rings has The Hobbit, which is a much lighter tale, you know, that you, that can kind of wet your appetite and can kind of get your get your stomach started, shall we say, on, in the realm of fantasy. But if you started with, you know, um, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, if you started with Fellowship of the Ring, I mean, no, that's a fucking deep dive. You know, you're, you're nobody's ready for that, right, if, if they started reading it. So that's an important thing to, you know, to kind of bring up. That, that's part of why I would, I, the first thing I mentioned was Voyage of the Space Beagle, because that is such a lighter book, but kind of the, the tech in it and so on would probably seem pretty tame. And, and, and the story itself, while I think it's very logical and I like that it's more about exploration and not so much action action, it's not so much space opera. Uh, you know, to, to really, that way people can pick up on it and understand like hard science fiction, which I think is the most important science fiction. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if, if people would necessarily jump on that. Um, Dune, I think Dune is just, is is so far out. It's easily the greatest science fiction book ever written, but it's, it's so far out. I don't know if that's where I would have people, uh, start either. So as far as like the first science fiction book I'd have people read, I would probably go with something from Ray Bradbury. Uh, And I would probably go with I mean, and this might seem like an easy answer, uh, but I would probably go with Fahrenheit 451 because Fahrenheit 451 is actually it can serve a dual purpose. Okay, as far as this goes, as far as introducing people to science fiction and so on, is that it's easy to grasp. You know, it's in the future. Um it doesn't hit you over the head though exactly with what's going on, but it is easy to grasp what's going on and the importance of books and you know and why books are being burned and why they shouldn't be. But it's a short book that also helps. Okay, so you know, people can they can look at it and it doesn't look too intimidating, as where if you hand them Dune, they're like, Oh, well fuck, I'll just read the Bible. You know <laughs> not the Orange Catholic one. Uh but You know, Fahrenheit 451, I mean, it looks kind of unassuming and it looks pretty straight to head and pretty straightforward, but it has so much to say. And, you know, again, it is, it is a more, you know, a simpler book to read. But again, it's clearly science fiction. It's clearly in the future. But here's the real beauty here. So, so it's a great way to introduce people to science fiction because it's not taking them too far out. All right. But what's beautiful about it is that it gives you the reason to keep reading because the whole thing's about the importance of reading, Right. So it's, a science, so, so it's a great way to introduce people to science fiction. And, and there's stuff in it that feels like the 3D or, you know, the, like the, the virtual reality rooms and walls and everything. It's stuff that feels kind of like believable, and it's not too far off of the tech tree that we're actually on. In fact, Bradbury would talk about that before he died. Uh, but then at the same time, like I said, it actually gives you a reason to want to read more. So you're introducing people to great science fiction, one of the greatest science fiction works of all time one of the greatest literary works of all time. And then you're also at the same time giving them impetus to keep reading because that's the very nature of the story. So I would probably start off with Fahrenheit 451. Uh, And also, I mean, there's so much even like especially if you get, you know, the the later editions of the book where Bradbury put in, you know, various codas and introductions and afterwards and all that where he really lays down some very powerful uh, points and info, you know, and, and like I re- Fahrenheit 451, I think it might have been in one of the afterwards or something where Bradbury's writing, that's where I first heard him say that, you know, if, if civilization, you know, if, if the bomb were dropped and civilization ended and you could only save one building, which building would you save? And he says most people would probably say hospitals, and that's a completely understandable answer for people to give, but he said, but that's not the one you want to save. The one building you want to save is the library, because with books, you can create all the other buildings again. It's oh, man. I mean, it's such like a solid point, you know, and that people really don't think about. They don't again. It, but it gives you that reason, the importance for why you want to read books. So, yeah, if, if there's one science fiction book, I mean, it's tough to call it the greatest science fiction book. But if there's if there's a science fiction book to really like start people off on. Uh, you got to go with Fahrenheit 451 because it's going to give them the reason to keep reading. And and it is and it's a great story and it's intriguing. And, you know, there, there's like it hooks you very early on with the mystery of the woman in white and all that. I mean, you know, it's 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 a tremendous book. It's so important. I remember the first time I read it. It was a Sunday. I mean, I can remember it really, really well. In fact, this was night. It was 1996. Uh, Def Leppard's Slang. Their album Slang had just come out, and I put on Slang. I bought it, you know, because I love Def Leppard, and yes, I still do. Uh, They're still a great band. Deal with it. So, you know, I I had that on my little Sony uh, stereo that had a CD player on it, which was actually kind of rare at the time, and I was listening to it, and while I was listening to it, and I listened to it a couple times over, or a few times over, because I just it was a Sunday and I picked up Fahrenheit 451 and I just kept reading it and I just kept reading and I couldn't stop reading it. I I did not want to get up. I didn't want to go to dinner. You know, my mother's like, Oh, dinner's ready. You know, I wasn't interested. All I, I, I just had to finish reading this book. The book is so powerful, you know, and I did it. I did it. I read that whole damn thing in one Sunday. Uh, and I want to say it was in a good six or seven hours or so. And, uh, yeah, that was amazing, and I don't know if that colored in any way my feelings toward the album "Slang," <laughs> because that's not always looked so kindly upon uh, by even Def Leppard fans. Uh, but I love that damned album. Um, I'm not gonna. It's not our album of the week. It, it could be. They had a beautiful. Uh, what was it like a 20th anniversary release of it a couple years ago? Uh, that was very well done. I think it's a. I think it's an ingenious album by the boys of Def Leppard, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Fahrenheit 451. Um, Now, at some point, I need to do a review. Of course, HBO recently did, uh, um, you know, they did like not a miniseries, but they made a movie out of Fahrenheit 451 with Michael B. Jordan. Um, At some point, I will get into reviewing that, but it doesn't look like no pun intended. It doesn't look like it lit any fires under anybody under anybody's ass or anything. So I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) we'll just leave it at that. But you've got to. Yeah, that's where I would start, people, is with Fahrenheit 451. And then I I think you get it. You get the importance. And Bradbury within, again, a lot of the introductory and, you know, extra material at the end where he's, you know, just talking straight. He mentions a lot of the great science fiction authors that people should be reading. So, you know, it's, it's the perfect jumping point, in my opinion. So, all right, uh, let's go on to uh, to our well. We'll get into our last question here. So, uh, hey, Stallion, been listening to the show since episode one. Woo, boy, baby! <laughs> Thank you, and I am sorry. <laughs> no, I know there's a lot of you uh, that that have stuck around. Um, uh, you know, I, I could get into a whole conversation about that because I think a lot of people, I, I've and this has been a problem since the beginning of Sovereign Tech. I've never wanted to repeat. Points. I've never wanted to repeat content, or you know, whatever I had to say. I mean, I'll I'll say like, listen back to you know, I talked about in this episode, blah blah blah. You know, go listen back to that, and then you can find out about it. But it's, I forget sometimes. I think that most people are not going to go back and listen to an entire six years of content. You know, I mean, there's some people like security now, okay. I did go back, and I have listened to every single episode of security now that show 's been going for fourteen years every single almost every single week. not everybody 's like me, and I know there 's some of you out there who came on later that have gone back and listened to every episode and it 's wow you 're amazing uh, so you know to listen to me i mean I, I understand I do that with my pod my favorite podcast too but uh, but you know to listen to me for that long oh. and, <laughs> but I forget and and I need to. I've been planning on things to where I can kind of introduce the various ideas that I've brought up over time on Sovereign Tech. Uh, other people have given me feedback that that needs to happen and I agree. It's just tough to condense it, you know. I mean, it took 6 years to lay out a lot of this stuff to try and put it into a 15-minute episode of some kind that that makes sense. I mean, I can do it, but yeah, that that's that it's definitely been proven and I've been trying to and it's really been proving a, a challenge to have something that I'm really really proud of. So anyway, thank you for listening for so long. Uh, Let's read on with the question. First, I want to say, as someone that has been following the Sovereign Universe since the beginning, boy, you've been following everything. (laughs) I love what you did with your new book, and it is my honor, they, they put that in caps, it is my honor to join you in your fantasy world. There really is nothing else like it. Uh, I'll stop there for a second. Thank you so much. Um, And I really I am very, very honored by that. Uh, I will I'll be honest with you. There are times where I fall to tears and I mean that quite literally that I fall to tears thinking about the fact that that people actually read, give a shit and, you know, join me in my little fantasy world that I've created Um, that. That is mind boggling to me. You know, right now I'm enjoying the fuck out of writing a lot of Star Trek stuff and and creating Star Trek content, uh, you know, because it's arguably my favorite franchise, you know, not counting Babylon five. Um, but to have people really, you know, you know like to, to have people love your own work, your own creation, that's something special. So I, I appreciate you saying that. And there is a link in the show notes if you people want to buy my new book. There is a link in the show notes uh, to be able to do that. So, But maybe all the patrons already have. I don't know. But anyway, uh, l- let me read on more. But my real question is, over the years uh, of listening to the show, you've mentioned quite a few different diets over time, most recently talking about the keto diet long before everyone in the FSP was on it. <laughs> so I'm wondering if there is some kind of new cutting-edge diet that you're on. Thank you for your continued work and passion. Uh, Okay, so I want to I want address part of that. When I first moved to New Hampshire, okay, for, and I did move to be a part of the Free State Project at the time. Okay, when I first moved to New Hampshire, um, yeah, everybody, you got to understand this, and I've talked about this before at varying points. It, it is amazing how there are kind of fads that happen within, I'll say, this community or that community, however you want to look at it. The... Like, when I came here, everybody was wearing five-finger shoes, and everybody was on the paleo diet. In fact, there's videos. Um, I think Kathy Reisenwitz, and uh, I forget who the other gal is, um, uh, she kind of made, like, or she she did this weird fake Facebook thing. Uh, but anyway, but Kathy's great. But so, but Kathy Reisenwitz, she did this, she made this video, this is years ago, where she was kind of, they were kind of picking on libertarians, And one of them was, I think her Facebook, her bullshit Facebook page was like Libertarian Girl or something like that. And so it's not like she was against libertarians, but they were kind of making fun of sort of the tropes within libertarianism. And in it, they even there's there's a joke where they say, it's like, do you even paleo? You know, like they kind of say that because it was that big of a deal within libertarianism and certainly within the Free State Project uh but now you know there's very few people i think left that that actually you know uh, do the paleo diet and look i go to pork fest i've gone to liberty forum and all that and the you know the meals that they offer aren't even necessarily paleo and i've seen all these people who claim to have been paleo they ain't eating paleo at that these things and and i'm not judging them it's fine i don't care you know you eat whatever you know do, live your life do do what you want to do, eat what you want to do i'm not shaming anybody at all i'm really not uh so anyway, but it is just funny that you, they, this community does seem to get on kicks, you know, as, as far as things that they're that they're really, uh, really into. And now the keto diet is kind of a I mean, it's not just like the keto diet is far or the paleo diet is far from a libertarian thing. I think there are parts of kind of these appeals to nature that get libertarians, I think, excited about the paleo diet and the keto diet. And I totally understand that. And it's not necessarily unfair. Um. You know, Or, I don't know, right now, actually, it seems like a lot of people in the Free State Project are very much on the vegan diet. I'm not sure why that is. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you something honestly. Uh, I think that a lot of times when there are appeals to this sort of thing, to, to these diets within the libertarian community, I generally think, and I'm not blaming them, but I think that a lot of times it all starts because of some quote unquote hot woman. That's what they eat. They have become passionate about some kind of diet and all the guys want to get with her. So then they start eating that way. And they talk about on Instagram, they start sharing all the pictures of the, you know, this amazing four course meal that they made. Um, for for this new diet that they're on, be it vegan or whatever. Uh, in fact, it's downright actually kind of the, the <laughs> it's crazy in the past few months what I've seen as far as how many people seem to be like really on the on the vegan thing. Um, and I mean, no disrespect to vegans and really like I've talked about this on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes. Like I think, you know, there's the chance that 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 veganism may ultimately more, you know, quote unquote, ethically be on on the right side of the fence. You know, like they they, they might have it. OK, they, they, they might have it right. I've talked about that. Um, but as far as like what's practical and what you can do now to increase the longevity of you as a human being, I don't know that that's the best way to go. Um, I have said that I know, when, you know that when a, a lot of people go on the vegan diet, that, you know, they drop weight really, really hard. And so maybe these people are just trying to drop weight. I don't know. But I think really a lot a lot of times at the core, and this happens in any subculture, You know, in any community, this this isn't just something, you know, that's that's like unique necessarily to libertarians or anarchists. Uh, This can happen in any subculture. Usually, you know, some some gals who are considered important or desired, uh, you know, will will be on a certain kick of something and then everybody's on board with it. For example, now, I mean, personally, I like Bon Jovi because I think his music kicks ass. And yes, I do. But a lot of guys got into Bon Jovi and were listening to Bon Jovi, you know, and stopped listening to Judas Priest for a little while, of course, which they ended up sounding like Bon Jovi, if you look at Turbo, uh, because, you know, women were all going to the Bon Jovi show. And so guys get into that and then, you know, and they they kind of followed suit. This is the power that really that women have, you know, and, and I don't say it as an insult whatsoever. Quite the opposite, in fact. OK, I mean, it's, you know, classic inducement. And I. Yeah, so. Anyway, as far as a diet that I mean, that, that's just my opinion on why these things even become things. OK, now I mean, I know there's guys who really like maybe for their health, they need to lose weight or they want to lose weight or something like that. But generally, I've found it all comes down to they want to fuck somebody and that somebody is on a certain diet or, you know, maybe they want to lose weight and just, you know, get a great look so that they can fuck this person. You know, that's that really seems to be the impetus most of the time. Um, yeah, all comes down to that, doesn't it? Uh, but. Anyway, and that goes far beyond diet. So as far as a a diet, you know, the the keto diet, I mean, that's that's kind of still a kick. Like I said, it seems like a lot of people are going towards vegan right now. Like that's the new fad in libertarianism. Um, And I mean, like I said, I respect veganism in general, but I don't I really don't have a whole ton of respect for the libertarian movement going vegan. Like because it just seems so because of the way that 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 so much of the community shifts from one diet to the other, it just seems so transparent, you know, like you, you can't, you can't be so passionate about the paleo diet or whatever. And then, you know, it's, you just keep shifting and shifting and shifting. I mean, it, it, it just doesn't, it really doesn't make sense. So anyway, is there any like latest diet fad um, that I'm on? I mean, intermittent fasting is kind of a big deal. Here's the thing is that I personally, so I generally, and, and this I've never really changed on this. Okay. Uh, even like as far as keto goes and things like this, I've generally just gone with like low carb, and I've been doing low carb off and on through a huge chunk of my life. Um, there's times where I go more paleo slash primal, right? Because that's a difference. Which it, it's just another one of those things, God, it fucking drives me nuts. Like Mark Sisson. Mark Sisson now he's now espousing, oh no no keto 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 keto. Uh, and, and it's funny because. Stephanie and I, we actually went to uh, the Ancestral Health Symposium in Boston a few years ago. And there there was a guy who and I can't think of her, and a guy and a gal. And I, I can't think of her name, Nora something, I think. And she wrote she wrote a whole book about, you know, kind of kind of like paleo. It was, it was sort of a paleo esque book, but it was had really broad ramifications but they were talking about a pure keto diet as to where, and Mark Sisson was at this thing. And, again, we're talking, this was like 20, this was probably 20, 2013, maybe 2014. And they were seen as outliers at this, which was really a paleo conference. And, you know, but now the, the entire paleo community is just jumping on top of keto because really all they're doing is, is they're just selling more books, (laughs) you know, and you can only write so much about paleo, right? So now Mark Sisson's got to sell some new books. You know, he did Primal Connection or he did the the Primal or the Paleo Diet, whatever that he's got to do, or the Primal Diet, Primal Blueprint. That's what it is, Primal Blueprint. Then he did, you know, Primal uh, Connection, both of which I think are actually still very good books, frankly. Uh, But, you know, he got a taste of that success. Then he did uh, Primal Endurance, which I don't I mean, it's it's a good book, but, you know, that, that has a very specific audience that, that you're going after with that. Uh, and now he's just writing a bunch of keto books. And it's so funny that he and he even he brings it up like in the keto books, because I, re, I read his stuff and he brings it up and says, yeah, you know, we're talking about primals. Like, well, we got to you know, this is I'm not, re, you know, reneging on that. I just I, I want to go back to, to 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 this, you know, or I want to talk about keto, blah, blah, blah. And it's just it's funny because, again, like I said, in, in 20, 2013 and 2014, there are a couple of people talking about a pure. Keto diet, and they were seen as crazy, as to where now you know now everybody's on keto, right? Even in the in kind of in the Paleo community. So I kind of yeah, my my diet really hasn't hasn't changed. I mean, the only way that it's really changed is that honestly, like I don't think I'm eating enough. Um, you know, because I'm trying, I'm still trying to. I'm walking a very fine line with my workouts, where you have to eat to feed the growth of your muscles. You know, when you're bodybuilding, okay. You've got to feed. You know, you have to feed that growth. You can't starve yourself. But at the same time, like I kind of have. You know, I, I there's there's weight that I want to lose. But the funny thing is, is that so. Like for example, okay. So here you're, you're going to. This might be a little TMI for you. Okay, I've I've had a problem for years with uh you know with kind of having a bit of love handles. Okay. And I know compared to what other people have, you know, and, and again, you might like those, you know, and that's fine. Um, I wanted to get rid of mine compared to what other people have. You know, it's it's nowhere near the same thing. But regardless, I want them to go, you know, and that belly fat's always the hardest thing to go. Right. Um, I've ironically found, I think, that actually <laughs> just growing your muscles, meaning like my back muscles. OK, growing those out. And I know this is going to sound weird, but it, it kind of stretches the skin to where you can't have love handles because the skin has to, you know, go with go with the expansion of the muscles, right? So you're almost better off, you know, just like getting really big muscles to have that skin do other things than you know all all coming together kind of as love handles, right? I mean, and I'm I'm speaking kind of anecdotally, but that's that's sort of how I see it. Um, but yeah, I was, I mean, I was doing intermittent fasting and being relatively low carb, not perfectly. Uh, and you know, I mean like that, that, that's worked for me. Uh, but it, it got to like my workouts are to the point now where I think like, I'm really, I'm not eating enough. Like I, I need to feed my muscles more so that they can grow. Uh, you know, you can't just, cause I would have weeks where all I would have is one of my protein shakes every day. And that's all that I would have is one of those fucking shakes. And yeah, you lose a lot of weight and all that. I mean, and and that's great, but you can't do that forever and you shouldn't do that forever. Okay, Um, I think, you know, your diet's really important. You want to be eating clean food. I've said this for years. If you've been listening to to me for years, you know what I'm going to say. And that is all of these diets that people talk about. They work originally because they're the first thing that just about every diet says is get away from processed food. You know, most diets are not telling you to go to McDonald's, Right. So it's getting away from the processed food. Now, that's what's actually helping you out, is getting to more natural, uh, nutrient-dense, just by the nature of that it hasn't gone through processing, uh, food. That's, I think that's really what matters for you. Again, there are people who, you know, they go vegetarian or vegan, and they lose a ton of weight, and they stick with it, and they have an ethical concern around it. That's awesome. Okay? There's people who go paleo. There's people who go keto. I know there's people who go keto who they don't like it at all. You know, like keto is very unique in that I think you really unless you can really handle eating the same thing all the time, you've got to be like just this five star chef to be able to withstand uh, the rigors of of that of that diet. So I'm not saying necessarily that you need to stick with keto and I'm not saying I know better than scientists who recommend uh, running or, you know, going with keto. But, you know, and 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 there's something to be said, you know, low carb, certainly. I mean, you know, there's so much evidence for that. It's, it's really something I just don't go crazy, but generally just stick low carb. That's really what I do. That, that's my whole way of thinking. I don't count calories. I don't do any of that stuff. It might, maybe I'd be better off if I did, but I don't do that. Um, I really go a lot on the feeling that, you know, that my body has. Do I feel like, whoa, you know, and that's the thing is that I can look at my body and especially the nice thing about when you're doing, you know, muscular development, okay, or bodybuilding is that you can in real time or not in real time, but like over time, you can see, you kind of look at your body and you can see the growth. And if you're not getting growth, that's an easy indicator. Well, shit, I need to be doing something with my diet, right? Because, I mean, you know, as far as your health overall, you know, it's 80-20, 80% diet, 20% exercise. But that 20% of exercise can tell you a whole hell of a lot about your diet, I think. All right. And so, yeah, I, there's no cutting-edge diet that I'm on, um, and I don't exactly intermittent fast as strictly as perhaps I should, because um, I have midday shakes, uh, like I have a banana in the morning, and so on. So I'm not that super strict on it, but uh, but I'm pleased with the direction that I'm going. So, and I mean, I, I still I'll have a pizza here and there, you know. I mean it, that 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 happens. So don't you know don't be too hard on yourself as far as I. I mean, yes, pay attention to your diet. Get away from the processed foods be eating like a variety have a colorful meal and all that stuff absolutely I'm not saying don't do that and I am also not a health expert by any stretch okay uh, but I'm just saying that you know you I don't I think that the stress of being a little too strict, if, if you don't need to be because of medical concerns, if you don't need to be that strict, I think the stress of being that strict might do more harm than <laughs> than the diet that you're having. So, yeah, just pay attention. Listen to your body. Try try and start to listen to your body and see what feels better. And, and you're going to have to experiment with yourself. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have any any really strict diet uh, that, that I'm following, nor do I uh, have any cutting-edge one that I'm aware of that nobody else is on board with yet uh, that I could tell you about. So. There you go. There's there's my deal. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, and I've even like I've I've messed with. Uh, hell, I just had some the other day, like that Tofurky stuff and, and like because it has so much fucking protein. Like if there's one thing I do do with my diet is I make sure that there's a shit ton of protein. <laughs> I mean, a lot uh, like I'm, I'm really, really crazy about making sure there's tons of protein. But at the same time, I don't necessarily care where the protein comes from. You know, uh, like I say, if it's tofurkey, if it's my shake, if it's steak, you know, whatever it is. All right. You know, it just didn't. Yeah. I mean, because, oh, man, that tofurkey, like it's like 30, it's like 30 grams of protein in one fucking hot dog. Or, you know, I mean, it's a uh, tofu hot dog, but in one hot dog. Holy shit. You know, yeah, I'll eat that. I'll have a whole package. Thank you. So anyway, um, okay, let's get into our album of the week, and then we'll wrap this baby up. Uh, This went longer than I expected. So, I mean, you know, we usually end up doing about an hour, but I actually wanted this to be a little bit shorter. Um, So the album of the week for this week is a classic. We're going with another classic uh, for you. And this is uh, from a band that I I really still enjoy, and I think they're still putting out great stuff. Uh, That being Manowar. And I know that might surprise some people, but look, Manowar is... That is metal for heavy metal's sake, baby. I mean, these guys... You can't tone them down. Uh, you know, and, and our, I think they they have some kind of record for being like the loudest band in the world, like literally by decibels, the loudest ever. Uh, I think they bested Deep Purple on that. Deep Purple held the record. And then I think Man of War broke it. But uh, I don't even think they bother to like Guinness Book of World Records. I don't think we'll even record that anymore. Like they're they're kind of done because people are just going to get stupid with it and someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Manowar is a heavy metal band. Been around for a good long while. Actually, started. I think they they like to declare their home out of like Florida, but they started in upstate New York. Uh, you know, and and they're they're huge, still huge in Europe, uh, where there's actual musical taste as to where in America nobody seems to really have any actual taste uh, as far as what good music is. So, uh, but Manowar, they had my the first album that, or the album that introduced them to me was from 1988. Now, I didn't listen to it in 1988. Uh, I, what I what ended up happening was I was actually in Florida. And I, so this would have been post-2004, and I'm, I'm half ashamed to admit that, that it took me that long to find out really about more about Manowar. Um, and I think I was in a CD store and just looking around, and this is around the same time that I discovered Nightwish, and sort of for the same reasons, is that you see this amazing artwork on these... Covers for Man of War, and it is, it's like Frazetta style, or it's actually Frazetta, uh, you know, artwork on there. Kind of like the, and it's funny because, and you know, first you're reticent to like to pick up something like that because here's the problem is that really great cover artwork and the intensity of the music contained therein of the CD that the album artwork is for. When you grew up, when I did, that was a very questionable prospect because you had a band called Molly Hatchet that had the most amazing cover artwork ever. And then you go look at it, it's still the most beautiful, stunning. You, you pick up an album from Molly Hatchet, and you're going to go, holy shit, this is going to kick my ass. This is going to be the hardest metal, ba- you know, metal act of all time, blah, blah, And then you put it in and it's like this really basic southern rock. Not, I'm not saying Tough Enough isn't a good song, okay? I'm just saying that, let's be clear here, Molly Hatchet's sound, no way matches the epicness of their cover art. It just doesn't. So you don't want to trust that, right? Because Molly Hatchet teaches you that. And I learned the hard lesson. I bought a Molly Hatchet album when I was a teenager and I was like, Whoa, wait, what the fuck is this? Yeah, nothing against them. I'm just. It doesn't hold up, okay? So. Uh, Manowar has these really epic covers, okay, just like Nightwish did at the time as well. Uh, you know, they, they kind of fell by the wayside on that, but, like, Century Child has, has a really beautiful uh, cover art for, for Nightwish, and I still think that's their best album. But, um, but Manowar, you know, you see this great, and, and you're just like, okay, they're called Manowar, Kings of Metals, the title of the album. You got this, you know, ripped guy on the cover. It's got to be the real deal. This has to be metal. There's no way. And it didn't hurt that when I'm looking at the CD in the store, it didn't hurt that one of the CD bonus tracks, because this used to be a thing to get people off of tapes, is that they would put, kind of like you get with imports, like Japanese imports will have extra songs, um, CDs would have an extra track on them, you know, uh, that that would be CD bonus only. And for Kings of Metal in 88, the, the bonus track was a song called Pleasure Slave. Now, this is... <laughs> this could be seen as a very misogynistic song but you know that manowar is very tongue in cheek and so you take it for what it is and but i was like okay yeah i, I want to hear this song you know like what's all this about and so i was experimenting with new music at the time and i pick up manowar and i put in kings of metal and at first i'm like i'm not exactly sold okay like i get it it's not bad i understand what they're trying to do they've got this epic sound that they're going for etc um you know i totally understand but once it gets to kingdom come which is kind of the main single off of this album okay once it got to kingdom come it was it was over me. I and mean, wheels of fire was good kings of metal you know okay heart of steel is pretty epic stuff sting of the bumblebee yeah we all know what that is crown in the ring all right you know i mean you're going that many songs down but once you get to kingdom come that is just such a like empowering badass song it's cheesy as hell And it doesn't like the album doesn't translate necessarily so well today sonically. Okay, in fact, they even did kind of a re-recording of it. Of course, that's just to keep the copyrights for it. They did a re-recording of it, I think, in 2014. And it doesn't sound ironically. You'd think, okay, we're going to get an updated version. It's going to sound harder and all that. It actually sounds weaker than the 1988 version. I would really just love to have a remastering. Of the 1988 version of Kings of Metal so that we can really get all that punch because the 2014 version of it, you know, didn't really deliver that. But you get to Kingdom Come and then you're just, whoa, what the fuck is that? And then suddenly all the other songs on the album make sense. And suddenly all the other songs on the album, you know, are great. But that's the power of that one song. You know, it was that solid. Uh, and and of course after Kingdom Come you go right into Pleasure Slave and Pleasure Slave, I mean there's just like women moaning throughout the whole thing, you know, and he's like, you know, woman, come here, you know, remove your garments, blah blah you know, I mean you got you got Eric Adams, you know, screaming all that out and, and his voice is just so unique. Uh it, it's <laughs> then it goes into Hail and Kill, Warrior's Prayer, Blood of the Kings. I I mean every song on there really Sting of the Bumblebee is just kinda like this fun, epic thing they do. But otherwise, every song on there is really solid. Uh, It's definitely the best snapshot, I think, of Man of War, even though it's not their heaviest album that they ever did. That probably would go to either Sign of the Hammer or uh, Hail to England. But yeah, I I mean, just a powerful album. I, I love Kings of Metal. Very cheesy, very cheesy. I am giving you full warning on that. But if you can get lost in it, you get lost in it. And and it, it's it's just it's so badass and a great album to work out too. I still do that uh, often. So 1988 Manowar, Kings of Metal. I mean, they have arguably you could say they have better albums like Warriors of the World is a better is could be argued to be a better album and it's heavier. Uh, but yeah, Kings of Metal, I just always remember it because it's kind of my first taste. Of, uh, you know, the baddest metal band in the world, uh, Manowar. So, all right, that's it for this Wednesday Q&A. We'll wrap that up here. And, uh, of course, coming into September, I want to tell you, uh, the Voltron review for Season 7, that will not come out until September. Um, It turned out that they went with like a 13-season season, season, or 13, I'm sorry, 13-episode season. And so... You know, like I haven't had the chance to, usually it's only like six episodes, and so I can watch them all in a couple hours, Uh, so I haven't been able to entirely finish season seven of Voltron, uh, but that review will be coming up shortly, and we will review some of the comic books in that one as well, and season eight is going to be the final season, by the way, we do know that, so... Uh, All right. Anyway, that's it for your Wednesday. Patreon only Q&A. Thank you so much to everybody for being patrons and those that have stuck around for a while. and Thank you to everyone that's been listening since day one of the show. You know, Sovereign Tech, that is fucking remarkable in my mind. So I am honored and uh, I will see all of you on the other side.